Hello, and thank you for joining us on Giving Voice to Depression. I'm Bridget. And I'm Terry. More than 350 million people worldwide suffer from depression, but you do not have to have it yourself to be affected by it. Its prevalence pretty much guarantees that someone you care about battles its darkness. This podcast tries to shine some light into that darkness. We're not experts and we're not therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and who are committed to encouraging healthy, healing conversations about mental illness. Hi, Terry. Hello, Bridget. As you know, September is National Suicide Prevention Month, and we at Giving Voice to Depression are going to dedicate the entire month to the topic, not just talking about it and, and mentioning statistics, but really drilling down what should we be looking for? What can we be noticing in ourselves or in others? How? What words do we use when we want to reach out and connect with someone and see how they're doing? And if they do need our help, some actual concrete steps that we can take to be there for them. Right. How to have that conversation, not just the need to have it. Exactly. And as we're forming our board, we are really looking for experts because as we've said, you and I aren't, although we have been touched by suicide. And we are lucky to have uh, one of our new board members, Dr. Barbara Moser. She's a family physician. She's the chair of the Prevent Suicide Greater Milwaukee Coalition. And she was kind enough to let us catch up with her during one of her holidays on a farm. So we're going to hear a little bit of outdoorsy sounds like wind and planes. But she is on the inside and has a lot to teach us. So let's hear what she has to say. Suicide. The very word catches your attention, doesn't it? It catches everyone's attention. It's the actions leading up to it that often go unnoticed. And that's what all the efforts going on this month, literally across the world, are trying to change. Today, in the first of a two-part series, Dr. Barbara Moser starts the discussion about suicide prevention with us. And it's a complicated one, literally from the first question. Is suicide preventable? So, so that, that is a, a hard question to definitively answer. I, in my heart of hearts, would like to say that a lot of suicide is potentially preventable. When you, when you talk about suicide prevention, you have to take into account what you know about a person at the time. And what I always say to persons who've survived a suicide is you only know what you know at the time the person died. And sure, in retrospect, you may be able to piece things together that you could have done, but you, you just you just know what you know at the time, and that's what you can act on. And so I think we have to be careful if we say, yes, suicide is totally preventable. That being said, I work in suicide prevention. So I absolutely think there are things that we can do as individuals, as organizations, as providers of health care, and on a community and societal level to help prevent suicide and to make suicide a much less frequent event than it is right now. But 
you know, is it totally preventable? I, I, I can't say that. Now, there are some people who would who would say that. Mm-hmm. But just with all the all the folks I've met and encountered along this journey when learning about suicide, um, I can no longer say that myself. So let me pause right here. For any listener who may have lost someone to suicide, and that includes almost everyone involved in giving voice to depression, we're offering these tips and starting this discussion to prevent future suicides when possible. Our collective heart goes out to you for your loss. And not one single word we say here is intended to add to any guilt, anger, shame, or grief you may be experiencing. We are on your side. That's right, because you can only in good faith um, act on the knowledge you have right. and, and the context you believe that that knowledge is occurring in. So, you know, you, you may not know that a person has just lost a job. You may not know that um, a kid has just broken up with a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Um, You may not know that somebody has undiagnosed depression. You know, you just don't know those things. And so that's why I say, I think, I think everything needs to be taken, taken in context. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't be doing this work if I didn't think there were things big things mm-hmm. that we could do to significantly lower the rate of suicide in our country. Well, let's talk about it. What can we do if we believe that someone is getting close to that point or if they tell us they are? So the most important thing we can do is to physically be with somebody and to be a supportive empathetic presence in that person's life and to ask, are you thinking of suicide? Are you thinking of killing yourself? And That bluntly. That bluntly. Because if you ask, for instance, are you thinking of hurting yourself? Somebody may just say, no, I'm not thinking of hurting myself. Well, They may not be thinking of hurting themselves. They may be thinking of killing themselves. So you're not getting an exact answer. So in my experience and in the training I've had in suicide prevention, the best way to ask is just to be very direct and say, are you thinking of suicide? It sounds like a really hard question to ask, but we can tell you from personal experience working on a crisis hotline, and from speaking with people through this project. A, research proves it's the best approach. And B, your directness will often be received with relief. Now, you know, I'm not going to start a conversation with that question. I'm going to um, sit with somebody. I'm going to find out what's happening with them in their life. I'll have some sense maybe over time of knowing them that they've been having a very difficult time. They're going through a divorce. They're miserable. They've changed. Their behavior's changed. Their hygiene has changed. Um, there's, There's all kinds of warning signs. The warning signs. We'll be linking to and posting them, but right now we'll run through a list from the Suicide Prevention Lifeline page just to familiarize you with them. Talking about wanting to die or to kill themselves. Looking for a way to kill themselves, like searching online or buying a gun. 
Talking about feeling hopeless or having no reason to live. Talking about feeling trapped or in unbearable pain. Talking about being a burden to others. Increasing the use of alcohol or drugs. Acting anxious or agitated, behaving recklessly. Sleeping too little or too much. Withdrawing or isolating themselves. Showing rage or talking about seeking revenge. Extreme mood swings. Okay, back to the expert. So you notice some of these warning signs in a person. And the sidelines are no longer a responsible option. And so I'll build up to it and then I'll say, you know, I really care about you. And I've noticed how really miserable you've been the last few weeks. I mean, I, I'm really worried about you. Are you thinking of killing yourself? Are you thinking of suicide? And then I'll wait for the answer. And sometimes you'll get a very sincere, quick answer. No, no, I, I'm just down. I, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm not thinking of killing myself. I'm not going to do it. I wouldn't do that to my parents. I wouldn't do that to my children. Right. You know, they, they give you a bunch of reasons why they're not going to do it. Sometimes you will get a kind of a not meeting your eyes and looking away and saying no. And I think that's a hint that, oh, well, okay, this is a really tough thing to ask of somebody to tell me. I'm going to talk a little more and I'm going to circle back mm. or I'm going to circle back tomorrow and I'm going to keep asking because I think that's a mistake that people make as, um, you know, just family, friends, but also professionals is that um, we let it go. Frankly, do we want a yes? No, because it's really hard. It's really hard to talk to somebody about being suicidal and it's really hard to get a yes and it takes a ton of time you need to deal with this before you deal with anything else suicide is life-threatening it's like any other life-threatening illness like any other life-threatening illness we want to repeat that because for whatever reasons a lot of people put mental illness in a totally different taboo category get involved with someone who's suicidal um, would you walk past someone having a heart attack, a seizure, a person who's been in an accident? Or would you feel compelled to help? So why haven't we all been taught to recognize the risk factors and warning signs and the ways to talk to and support someone who's suicidal? You know, it's, it's a tough conversation to have, but, but we need to have it. And, you know, I think really that there's just, we need to, to be better at, recognizing emotional suffering in others and feeling better with ourselves about asking are you are you suffering are are you really having a hard time right now you know and and finding out what's going on with people and reaching out I really appreciate the clarity that both you and Barbara are calling out on how it's just it's no different than any other illness in that the person needs us. We need to reach out. We need to be candid. We need to be compassionate. And we need to be present. 
Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's awkward or hard. I mean, that's not the point. And I, I loved her phrasing at the end there when she said, we really need to be better at recognizing emotional suffering in others. And, you know, those questions, are you suffering? Are you having a really hard time right now? I mean, you know, far in advance of, are you considering killing yourself? Are you planning on it? You know, just those questions. Think of the honest conversations and how healing those talks could be if we were just a lot more real with each other. Absolutely. One of the things that I learned from the interview that we didn't uh, just discuss is something that Barbara calls protective factors. And these are the the reasons, kind of the compelling why not to kill oneself. So it might be that a particular person or a pet is dependent on you or that there's some, you know, important date or graduation or something that you would want to be around for. And she actually asked the question straight out. She said, what keeps you alive and what has kept you alive until today when we're having this conversation? Because everyone has something. Mm-hmm. Another thing is being connected uh, to people or to a community or to a cause. What's bringing you joy? What's nourishing you? What's feeding you? And kind of return the spotlight, if you will, to some of those factors. That's a great way to put it, Bridget, returning the spotlight to the things in your life that are positive, and that's the goal. It's not to just avoid the tragic, but it's to, you know, go toward the things that give you, give you life. Exactly. And next week, we'll continue our conversation with Dr. Moser. She has a way of saying things so clearly that um, I'm learning a lot. I really am. It has so much to teach us. And we have so much to learn. Mm-hmm. So... The need is there and the time is now. And thank you, Barbara, for helping us begin to unpack this. Thank you, Barbara. We hope that our podcasts bring about a little more understanding or help people articulate their experience of depression a little more. And thanks to each and every person who's digging deep and finding the words and finding the courage to give voice to depression. And you can find our podcasts on our website, givingvoicetodepression.com, as well as on iTunes, where we hope you will subscribe, rate, and respectfully comment. And please remember, if you're hurting, speak up. If someone else is hurting, listen up.